He has no idea what's coming. The ruble has already lost 30 percent of its value. The Russian stock market has lost 40 percent of its value, and trading remains suspended. The Russian economy is reeling, and Putin alone is the one to blame. All right, welcome to this hour of the program, folks. Rob Breckenridge in for Shea Ganim. That was U.S. President Joe Biden last night in his State of the Union address. And yes, there have already been some very meaningful consequences to the Russian economy uh, in response to Russia's unlawful invasion of Ukraine. And there more, maybe more to come. But already, as uh, the president uh, outlined, it has had a tremendous impact. Now, Russians may be shielded uh, from the day-to-day reporting of what's going on in Ukraine, certainly with Putin's grip on the media. But there's no shielding Russians from the consequences of what has happened with the collapse in the currency, the collapse in the stock market. This is having a very real impact in Russia. You know, the extent to which there has been Western consensus on all of this has been remarkable. And maybe even Putin himself has been surprised by the response. So what is the fallout in Russia? How consequential is all of this? Well, joining us uh, for some perspective uh, on all of that, I'm very pleased to welcome to the program uh, here this morning, uh, Dane Rowlands. He's a professor and ec- economist at the uh, Norman Patterson School of International Affairs at Carleton University, focused on international development, international trade and trade policy, multilateral financial institutions. Uh, so very pleased to welcome to the program, as mentioned, uh, Professor Rowlands. Professor, great to have you with us here. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Good morning. Uh, so how surprised are you, first of all, when you look at the extent to which the international community has come together, responded with tough sanctions uh, against Russia's economy? Your thoughts on how it's all come together? Yeah, I'm a little surprised that it came about as quickly and as with as much determination as it has. I think that there was a lot of concern about the European economies being too dependent on, on Russian energy exports and that they would be a little bit more shy of getting involved. Uh, but it looks like uh, they've been able to hold together that coalition to impose you know, pretty punishing sanctions on Russia, uh, even though they're going to be hurting us and hurting the Europeans even, even more and, and others. So it's, uh, it's, a, it's a quick and quite consolidated uh, front that they're, that they're putting together against Russia right now. I mean, is it the totality of it all or is there, there any, any of these steps in particular that have particularly hurt the Russians? Well, I think the ones that were most surprising uh, have been the ones on the financial side, the exclusion of SWIFT from SWIFT of several of the financial institutions in Russia. I think the second one was targeting Putin. It wasn't clear they were going to cross that line either to target him directly as opposed to people surrounding him. And I think the third one was the targeting of uh, the Russian Central Bank and its access to foreign reserves that it holds outside of Russia. So uh, I think those are the three that were really most surprising, as well as the extent to which they have been picked up by countries that we wouldn't normally think of as participating in in these kinds of sanctions, such as Switzerland. And that helps a lot. Uh, Russia still has outlets through China, but it's a it's a it's a it's a pretty comprehensive set of countries in the West that have that have uh, been imposing these sanctions. So. So when we see the, uh, you know, the ruble collapsing or the Russian stock market collapsing, what's what's the connection there? Why is is one leading to the other? Uh, it's all a question of how you're holding your assets. So anything denominated, so the ruble is, is losing value. It's clear that uh, interruptions to their connections with the international economy in terms of potential to export, potential to earn uh, hard currency from exports, you know, typically, again, in the energy sector, 
so there's a and, and the fact that you don't really know where this is going in the longer term. So there's a tendency to flee uncertainty into what you think is more stable uh, uh, currencies or, or assets denoted in more stable currencies, such as U.S. or European uh, currency assets. And so there's a flight away from the ruler because they just don't think it's going to be stable and they think it's going to lose value going into the into the longer term. So people are trying to get out of rubles and that drives their, their value down. So uh, why that matters is because obviously in the Russian stock market, the assets are largely denominated in rubles. And so you don't want to be holding these assets anymore. So people are trying to dump them. And you also have foreigners like, you know, uh, BP has announced that they're going to get out of their partnership with Rosneft. So it's, you have a lot of people inside, a lot of people outside trying to get rid of Russian denominated assets on their stock market, but also on other markets. Well, and you, you alluded to it. I mean, you know, to, to hit uh, Russia on the energy side of things could, could even be more consequential, perhaps, than what we've seen already. Now, Canada announced that we're banning Russian oil, Russian petroleum products. We, we don't import all that much. But if other countries follow suit, what kind of an impact might that have? Yeah, in the Canadian case, it's not really that much. In fact, a lot of the oil imports had already declined considerably, and it's really only going into the uh, Irving refinery, I think, in New Brunswick for the most part. So it's not hard to replace that for us, uh, but for the Europeans, it's going to be crippling. Uh, so they rely heavily on, on Russian energy exports, gas, and, and, uh, and oil. Uh, and they've taken some steps. Uh, you know, certainly the cancellation of the Nord Stream pipeline, gas pipeline, uh, or the, at least the delay of, of certification, uh, is a signal. Uh, they haven't gone to the extent of actually cutting off the other flows, and they've left open some of the financial conduits for paying for that for that energy, uh, and that would have to be the next step. But you know, as much as Russia is dependent on selling this stuff, Europe is dependent on buying this stuff, and you have to balance off the costs. Uh, for them, they have to balance off the cost of imposing that level of sanctions. But that's really the next big step, I think, uh, aside from the, the, the smaller ones that we're going to see in the next few days, probably targeting individuals. So what does this all translate into for the, the average Russian? Are we seeing higher prices, empty store shelves? Uh, we likely to see job losses. How is this going to play out in, in the Russian economy? Yeah, I think all of those. So, you know, yeah. to the extent that they import goods, and that's a fairly considerable portion of their of their economy, they have to import uh, a lot of consumer goods. They they produce and sell a lot of resources uh, and semi-refined resources, and that's what they use to to pay for the things that they buy from others. Uh, and so those those goods are now going to become more expensive because they earn rubles and they have to buy them in foreign currency. And so the loss of value for the ruble means that the the ruble price of these things will rise in the store. It's also the case that there have been export limits uh, going into Russia. So in the Canadian context, the, the government banned exports uh, that require permits, for example. Those permits have been cancelled. So there are people in Russia expecting these goods and they're not going to get them. So that's going to affect both uh, what appears on consumer shelves, but also what's appearing in the factories in terms of machinery and replacement parts that they need to keep producing. And to so the extent that, that these sanctions by us and others uh, mean that factories can no longer operate because they lack inputs or they lack key machinery, uh, they will have to lay people off and those goods won't make it to the market either. And so you're going to have even fewer uh, opportunities for consumption by, by the average Russian. They're just not going to see the goods that they used to on their shelves. In terms of other countries, I mean, Canada included, we had uh, Finance Minister Chrystia Freeland warn yesterday that there could be some collateral damage in Canada. She said, uh, we said in order to be really effective, in order to have an impact, we're going to have to be prepared for there to be some adverse consequences for our own economies. And, you know, this comes in an interesting time as obviously the Bank of Canada is trying to assess the strength of the Canadian economy. How might uh, this all affect us here? 
Uh, well, I mean, we're going to be, of all the countries involved, all the big countries involved in these sanctions, we're probably the most insulated in the sense that we uh, we produce a lot of the same things that Russia produces. Uh, so even when we get cut off from Maine, supplies of Russia, things like fertilizer, for example, we also produce alternatives to that in Canada. So some sectors in Canada, especially uh, out west probably on the resource side, will probably benefit from this. But the rest of us will have to probably pay more. Uh, there are going to be a lot of exporters. Canada exports a lot of higher technology goods, uh, equipment, machinery, and things like that. Uh, and they will have been lo- they'll they'll be losing a market. They would have expected to sell things that they won't be able to sell. So there's going to be pain. And in fact, that's the whole way that sanctions work. Uh, the ideal for sanctions is that you target a relatively small dependent economy that's not too important to you. Well, that's not the case here. We're we're targeting a very large uh, country that's important in a lot of key resources, especially uh, internationally in terms of, of the markets. Uh, and uh, it's important to us to, to keep access to that. So we're going to be hurt, and they're going to be hurt. And so it's uh, it's inevitable that there'll be damage here. It, Canada, maybe a little bit more shelter, certainly than the Europeans. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the devil is in the detail in the sense of how quickly right. can the export markets be replaced by others, for example. Well, and you mentioned quickly, there's a question of timeline here, and obviously we don't know. I mean, it's possible that in a few weeks, you know, Russia backs down and we're able to move away from this, but it's also possible this could drag on for months or longer, right? Yeah, and I think that that's one of the miscalculations or one of the interesting elements of the calculation that the Russians maybe got wrong. I I think that they were probably hoping for a very quick conquest of Ukraine Mm -hmm. uh, or its surrender right away and the avoidance of sanctions or at least the the removal of them fairly quickly. But I think... from the signals that we're getting, as long as you, uh, Russia remains effectively in control of Ukraine, either directly by conquest or indirectly by setting up a puppet regime, I suspect that those sanctions will remain uh, largely in place uh, into the longer term. So this could be a long-term situation, and that will allow both sides to minimize the damage. I mean, we'll look for replacements from Russian goods, and Russia will look for replacement markets for their goods. Uh, you know, and they've got China still, obviously to a degree in their corner, and, and consequently over the long term you tend to adjust and your economies become less less connected, less interlinked, and therefore less vulnerable to one another. But nonetheless, I think uh, they're looking at this as being uh, a bit of a miscalculation with respect to the determination of the West to impose and maintain these sanctions. We'll leave it there for now. Uh, Dr. Rollins, appreciate your insight. Thanks for joining us here today. Great. Thanks very much. Have a great day. Yeah. You too. That's uh, economist Dane Rollins, a professor at the Norman Patterson School of International Affairs at Carleton University. His uh, assessment of the impact this is all having in Russia and how this is all going to impact uh, us here in the West.